there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Due to the graphic nature of this case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Hello? Ma'am? I don't think she's home. What do you think? Her friend said she never misses appointments. And that dog does sound awfully upset. And look at that. The blinds are drawn. No one keeps their blinds drawn like that in broad daylight. You think? We need to get in there. Door isn't going to budge. There. We can get in through the kitchen window. Sibylla Neemans? Are you home? Mrs. Neemans? Oh no. Check her pulse. She's gone. This is Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories. I'm your host, Carter Roy. And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. This is our final episode on The Blonde Dolly. You can listen to previous episodes of Unsolved Murders, as well as all of ParCast's other shows, wherever you listen to podcasts. A new episode comes out every Tuesday. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast, and on Twitter at ParCast Network. Some listeners have been asking how they can help support the show. If you enjoy the podcast, the best way to do that is to leave a five-star review online. Sibylla Alida Johanna Niemans, otherwise known as the Blonde Dolly, led a short and tragic life. Sibylla was born in Amsterdam in 1927 into a working-class family. She survived the Great Depression and the Nazi occupation during World War II. As a young woman, she tried many different careers. She was a seamstress, a fortune teller, and a model but she was best known for her longtime career as a sex worker, first in Amsterdam, then in The Hague. 
She generally catered to a high-class clientele. In 1950, she married Bodo Vandenberg, a violinist almost twice her age, and moved up in society. She became a philanthropist and formed connections with important Dutch politicians. Are you here alone, darling? Not anymore, it seems. You look familiar. Are you an actor? Just a politician, I'm afraid. You're certainly handsome enough to be on TV. Well, you flatter me, Mrs. Uh... Call me Sibylla. Charmed. Sibylla and her husband Bodo filed for divorce in 1951. But the divorce was both messy and costly. Will you put that damn thing down for a moment? <sighs> what do you want? Can we reconsider about the divorce? We both know you don't love me, Sibylla. I can still make you happy. You're wasting my practice time. Tell me why you're really here or leave. You can't leave me with so little. I'm accustomed to a certain lifestyle and I'm entitled to that money. I brought it with me into this marriage. You're a clever girl. I'm sure you'll find a way to support yourself. After a protracted legal battle, the couple finally divorced in 1957. Sibylla had a substantial amount of money and real estate holdings, but she lost much of her wealth in the divorce. She ended up paying Bodo the equivalent of about $90,000. She continued to spend time with the upper echelon of Dutch society and was often seen with the politicians, military officials, and esteemed professors. Her poetry readings were well attended, and she was respected within society circles. But she needed to support her luxurious lifestyle somehow. So she secretly returned to her old profession as a sex worker, entertaining clients throughout the week. She used the nickname Blonde Dolly. And it's possible that many of those politicians she spent time with were also her clients. I can't believe I have to brown nose that idiot just to pass this bill. What have I told you before? No work talk in the bedroom. I know, but... Come here. I'll make you feel better. But Sibylla's life came with risks. After two other Dutch sex workers were murdered in 1957 and 1958, Sibylla got a dog, Nikki, and hired a bodyguard named Harard van Vergde to protect her. Shush, Nikki. That's our new protector, Harard. Don't bark at him. Good boy. But Sibylla's protective measures weren't enough to save her. On Monday, November 3, 1959, Sibylla's neighbors heard Nikki barking for hours inside her house at 498 New So they called the police. When the police entered Sibylla's bedroom, they found the 32-year-old had been strangled in her bed. The covers were pulled up over her body. They quickly realized that Sibylla had probably been killed between Friday evening and Saturday morning. She had been lying dead in bed for at least two days. No forced entry. Either she kept her door unlocked or she knew her killer. Hmm. No sign of struggle. Maybe she was strangled in her sleep. Hear that? Sounds like the floorboard's loose. Here, give me a hand. Jesus. How much money is that? Gotta be at least a couple hundred guilders. I guess the killer wasn't looking to rob her. This stash isn't exactly well hidden. No kidding. 
Look over here on the bedside table. There has to be another 160 guilders here. Who keeps this much money in their bedroom? Good question. The detectives found the equivalent of hundreds of dollars under Sibylla's floorboards, and they found approximately another hundred dollars right on Sibylla's bedside table. Clearly this wasn't a thief looking to steal Sibylla's valuables. Well, otherwise the killer would have taken the money. That meant that the killer must have had some other motive. And the detectives soon focused on a new possible motive for the killer. You see, money wasn't the only thing that detectives found on Sibylla's bedside table. They also found three blue notebooks bound with ribbon. What's written in there? Names and addresses, mostly. So an address book? That's an odd thing to keep beside the bed. No, it's all men. I think this may be a client list. For what? Come on. Oh. Some of these names look awfully familiar. Jesus, was she servicing members of parliament? Sibylla's blue books contained a scandalous client list, but before police had a chance to investigate anyone from those books, they decided to question the man now sitting downstairs in Sibylla's home. Her bodyguard, Hirard. Police needed to make sure that Hirard hadn't killed the woman that he was supposed to protect. Our story will continue in a moment after the break. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, back to Unsolved Murders. On Monday, November 3rd, 1959, Dutch police found 32-year-old Sibylla Neiman strangled to death in her bed. Her bodyguard, Herard van Vergde, entered Sibylla's house that Monday morning ready to start work, just as investigators found Sibylla's body upstairs. Police perhaps wondered why Hirard, the man hired to keep Sibylla safe, had failed to do so. Hirard was allegedly nursing an unhealthy crush on his employer. Rumor was that he had even told his family that he and Sibylla were engaged. Police may have wondered if Hirard had killed Sibylla out of jealousy. But when police brought Hirard to the station and questioned him, he denied everything. Yet, rumor has it that police then made an astounding discovery. How's it going with the bodyguard? He says he didn't do it. And there's nothing linking him to the crime. It looks like his alibi checks out. But here's the funny thing. He apparently knows the cause of death was strangulation. Did someone slip up and tell him? Nope. We all told him that she died of natural causes. Hmm. 
Detectives were perplexed that Hirard knew that Sibyl had died by strangulation. They assumed that the only one who should have known the cause of death was the killer. But Hirard had an explanation ready, and it made a lot of sense. He told officers that he had seen Sibylla being carried downstairs and spotted the strangulation marks on her neck. There was nothing linking Hirard to the crime, so detectives quickly released Hirard and cleared him. And with Hirard in the clear, detectives had no choice but to investigate Sibylla's little blue books. Maybe one of her clients was the killer. What are you writing in there? Nothing important, darling. That's not an answer. I just like to keep records of my clients. Helps me keep track of my favorites. You can't write my name in there. If anyone ever saw this, I'd be ruined. My career, my wife, everything would be gone. Cool it, will you? There's people far more well-known than you in here. Nobody would look twice at your name, darling. And that's if they even knew to look in the first place. Give me that damn book. So you can see my other clients' names? I don't think so. What are you doing? Hirard, help! Get him out of here! Hey! Get off me! You'll regret this, Sibylla! I really don't think I will. I'm not sure I buy the idea that a client killed Sibylla over what she had written in her blue books. If the killer was angry about the books, why did he leave them by her bedside? If he wanted to make sure no one would find out who was on her client list, why not take the books after strangling Sibylla? That's a good point. Perhaps it was someone who wanted to reveal Sibylla's client list, someone with nothing to lose. Then the killer would have known about Sibylla's clients and Sibylla's books. Ideally, all without ever getting their own name written down, what are the chances of that happening? Well, probably low, I'll concede, but here's what's interesting. The blue notebooks went missing at some point during the investigation in the first half of 1960. Well, this could have been due to police incompetence. Or it's possible that someone very powerful didn't want his name connected to the Blonde Dolly murder investigation. We're delving into conspiracy theories a bit here, but some believe that the blonde Dolly was murdered at the behest of a well-known politician. One politician who Sibylla was seen with was Josef Loons. In 1959, Loons was the Dutch Minister of Foreign Affairs and a conservative member of the Catholic People's Party. In other words, not somebody whose reputation would recover from being a known associate of Blonde Dolly. Loons was busy dealing with Dutch international relations. He was trying to find a way to maintain the Netherlands' grip on an area of land in West New Guinea that belonged to Indonesia, the Netherlands' former colony. Perhaps Loons confided in Sibylla about work, and she attempted to blackmail him. Thank you for today, my dear. You always know how to take my mind off of all that unpleasantness. Hmm. Are you sure that's all you owe me? What are you talking about? Are you raising your rates? Well, you keep asking me for my opinion on politics. I think you ought to be paying me a consulting fee. <laughs> oh, very funny. I'm not joking. That's ridiculous. I'm not paying you extra for pillow talk. Then I guess you won't mind if I share our pillow talk with some of my friends. What? One of my friends is a reporter. I bet he'd love to hear all about how much you're struggling to handle that little New Guinea situation. I'm sure he'd find it very entertaining. 
Especially if I give him permission to print the name of his source. Are you blackmailing me? For such an esteemed world leader, you're asking me some awfully obvious questions. How dare you? Do you know who I am? What I can do? Hmm. I know more about you than most, sweetie. That's the point. Satisfied? I'll consider that an initial payment. I'll be expecting more. How much more? I'll let you know. It's certainly possible that Loons or another politician killed Sibylla to keep her from blackmailing them. And if the conspiracy theorists are right, then the police helped that politician cover up the murder, perhaps in return for certain favors within the administration. But there's no evidence tying any particular politician to the Blonde Dolly's case. And that means we need to look at other suspects. As we learned in part one, Sibylla was rumored to spend time in the company of a Russian attaché. What if that Russian was really KGB? Perhaps Sibylla was murdered by a Soviet spy, one who realized he needed to eliminate his source. Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And now, back to the story. After 32-year-old Sibylla Niemans was strangled in her home in the Netherlands on November 3rd, 1959, Dutch police spent the next six months interviewing suspects. Despite the press attention the case received in 1960, investigators couldn't find the killer. Some conspiracy theorists began to suspect an elaborate police cover-up at the behest of a powerful Dutch politician. But others seemed to recall that Sibylla had been seen in the company of a Russian staff member from the Soviet embassy. During the Cold War, Soviet embassies all over the world were chock-full of KGB spies posing as diplomats. It's a long-standing tradition that continues to this day. According to calculations made by U.S. government officials in March 2018, at least 100 Russian diplomats in the U.S. were actually spies for the Russian government. But during the Cold War, the KGB didn't just spy for the Soviet government. They also carried out various assassinations to advance the Soviet government's political agenda. In October 1959, just a month before Sibylla's untimely death, KGB spies were responsible for poisoning a Ukrainian politician named Stepan Bandera with cyanide. But here's a potential flaw in our theory. KGB agents usually poisoned their victims. Sibylla was strangled to death. It's true that the KGB is fond of using rare poisons to murder their victims, and even now the Russians still make use of poison. 
In March 2018, the British government accused the Russian government of attempting to murder a former KGB agent named Sergei Skripal with a rare, deadly Soviet-invented poison called Novichok. But Russian spies are not above using strangulation either. Also, in March of 2018, a Russian man named Nikolai Glushkov was found strangled to death in his UK home. Suspicion had arisen in Britain that his death was orchestrated by Russian intelligence. So it's possible that a KGB agent could have strangled Sibylla to death. But we need to figure out why a Russian spy would be interested in her in the first place. Well, don't forget that Sibylla was supposedly an escort for numerous Dutch politicians and military officials. Her connections to these powerful men would make her a prime target for recruitment by the KGB. It's possible that she said yes, but later had misgivings. After all, working with a KGB is dangerous at best. Perhaps Sibylla refused to give the Soviet spy the information that he wanted. Or maybe Sibylla tried to force the spy to pay her more. Or perhaps she developed qualms about betraying her country. Tell me more about loons. Why? Excuse me? Why do you need to know? What are you going to do with the information I tell you? You know I can't tell you that. Are you going to kill him? (laughs) Of course not. You know what I mean. Is someone going to kill him? You worry too much. I'm sorry. I can't do this anymore. Do what? We're just talking. Having a friendly conversation. I'm done giving you information. What makes you think you're allowed to stop? I have powerful friends. If you don't leave me alone, I'll tell someone who you really are. And then you'll be arrested as a traitor. Is that what you want? No. Please try to remain cooperative. Otherwise, I may have to end our relationship permanently. While it's intriguing to speculate that Sibylla was murdered by the KGB, there's no evidence to support it. Which means we need to look at other persons of interest. One of the first people who investigators usually question after a murder is the victim's spouse. It's well known that a large percentage of murdered women are killed by their boyfriends and spouses, not strangers. For example, a CDC study released in 2017 revealed that of over 10,000 murdered women they studied, over half were killed by their intimate partners. As far as we know, Sibylla's ex-husband Boto was never questioned by police or suspected of any involvement in her murder. However, there is a rumor that an attorney involved in Sibylla's and Boto's acrimonious divorce met with Sibylla on the day of her death. How can I help you? It seems that you are a very wealthy woman, Ms. Neemans. I don't see how that's any of your business. It's my client's business. You only paid him $90,000 in the divorce settlement. That was quite a sum of money I paid to get rid of him. Maybe, but we've done a little digging on you. It appears that you have eight properties. I have to make a living somehow. It seems you cheated my client out of money he deserved in that divorce settlement. Too bad. He's not getting another penny out of me. You sure about that, Ms. Neemans? Your ex-husband is very unhappy. Maybe you shouldn't anger him any further. It's not my job to manage his feelings. You tell him that he's getting exactly what he deserves. Nothing. Apparently, the attorney disappeared after meeting with Sibylla, and police never located him. Perhaps there was a connection between Sibylla's divorce and her death. I don't think that's likely. 
Among Sibylla's effects, police found several records of her husband Boto's violin recordings. Why would she keep his recordings if there was still that much bad blood between them? Mm, Good point. Mm. There's also no evidence, circumstantial or otherwise, linking Boto to Sibylla's murder. But there's one final suspect we haven't considered. A serial killer. In 1957, a wealthy 24-year-old sex worker named Rosemary Nitribit was strangled to death in her apartment. The police never found her killer. A year later, in December 1958, a sex worker named Marika Van S., who lived in Sibylla's neighborhood, was also found murdered. These murders were what spurred Sibylla to hire her bodyguard, Hirard Van Vergde, in the first place. She feared that a killer was targeting sex workers in her Netherlands neighborhood. And she may have been right. Hello? Shh. Get out of my house. Nikki? Nikki? Is Nikki your dog? Sweet thing. Came right up to me begging for me to pet him. What did you do to my dog? Oh, he's fine. I shut him up in another room. But he's not coming to help you. No one is. There's money on the bedside table. Just take it. I don't want your money. Oh, God. You're the one who killed Rosemary. (laughs) And Marika. (laughs) And you're next. As we've discussed in past episodes, serial killers often target sex workers. They're a vulnerable population. Police don't devote the same resources to investigating their murders, and their cases often go cold. Sadly, this was what happened with Sibylla Niemens. The Dutch police never found her killer, and in November 1977, her case was officially closed. For the past several decades, the public has continued to wonder who really killed the blonde Dolly. But we believe we've got the answer. Sibylla Niemens was most likely murdered by a serial killer. She was wealthy and relatively well-known as an escort. She could have easily attracted a serial killer's attention. And someone had killed two other Dutch sex workers living near Sibylla in the two years before her death. It's possible that all three deaths were connected. If Sibylla were murdered by a serial killer who was never caught... He may have continued to operate with impunity in the Netherlands for decades, targeting other sex workers. That's a terrifying thought. But even though her murderer was never caught, Sibylla's fame lives on. Books have been written about her, and Dutch playwright Jacques Brawl put on a theatrical piece about her life in 2017. With the continued public interest in her case, maybe someday Sibylla's murder will finally be solved. And then the blonde Dolly can finally rest in peace. You can find Unsolved Murders and all of ParCast podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn, and your favorite podcast directory. A new episode comes out every Tuesday. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and on Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy the podcast, the best way to support us is by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. If we live till next time.
Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories was created by Max Cutler and developed by Ron Cutler. It is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Paracast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. Unsolved Murders is written by Angela Page and stars Carter Roy and Wendy McKenzie. The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by alphabetical order, Mike Capozzi, Jerry Courtney Austin, Sammy Nye, Steve Pinto, and Dan Velasquez. 